I'll be reading from Jeremiah 1, verses 4 to 19. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I'll protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right, and it means that I am watching, and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, and what do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, for terror from the north will boil out onto the people of this land. Listen, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. They will set their thrones at the gates of the city. They will attack its walls and all of the other towns of Judah. I will pronounce judgment and on my people for all of their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made of their own hands. Get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything that I tell you to say. And don't be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong, like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, the officials, the priests, and the people of Judah, they will fight you, but they will fail, for I am the Lord, and I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, verse, chapter 1, verses 6 to 18. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might, become, might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of his father's one and only son. John testified about him when he, when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I am talking about. 
when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but, the God, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Good morning. I'm Mike. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Parliament Community Church. Uh, where's Peter? Peter, 90. Happy 90th birthday. I would not have guessed 90. I would have thought maybe 80. Yeah? And so glad you could be surrounded by family and friends this morning, too. And so um, thanks for letting us be a little bit of your celebration by being here today. It's good to be here with you, our church family. If you're visiting with us, welcome. I hope you feel welcomed and you get a chance to know some of us and connect with us. But thank you for blessing us by worshiping with us, by coming before God together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us have made a commitment of faith. Some of us are questioning or exploring. It's all good. That's why we're here, to be community and to do this together. I am so excited to jump into our school year programming. I was going to say fall, but I think it was Don Crane said, Mike, it's not fall yet. Don't say fall. So I'm so excited to jump into our school year programming that's still a part of summer. <laughs> I'm holding on to that. Uh, lots of stuff exciting. Uh, some fun stuff this week that came across my desk. Uh, was emailing with Vicki and the missions mobilization team this week um, as we've been processing applications for um, our summer camp worker support fund. And it must be, Vicki, what, 10 people? She's somewhere around. I think it's about 10, maybe even 12 people who are a part of that. Vicki's nodding yes. Um, just so exciting to see our youth and young adults investing in ministry in the summer. I'm glad we as a church can come alongside and give a little bit of extra support. Um, Morgan this morning introduced uh, a gentleman named Riley. And um, I want to give you a bit more background on that. We're so excited to have Riley here this morning and joining us this fall. Um, as we've been looking for a youth pastor, uh, which we'll have an update on in the coming weeks where we're at on that, um, we've been talking to various Bible schools and youth ministry groups, and the one thing we've been hearing again and again is that churches are failing to invest in young leaders and help them develop. And so what we're seeing is a huge shortage of youth pastors uh, across the country, and actually I would say across the continent. And so one of the things that we've been doing is meeting with the faculty at Briarcrest to see what their needs are. Um, from churches, so we can support them and help them out as well. And uh, Riley is a student at Briarcrest right now. He's in his second year, and um, we're thankful to have him here, able to step into the gap in youth ministry with uh, Gabe going up to Saskatoon this year. Uh, Gabe was such a blessing last year with our youth ministry, helping out with Morgan, but it left a hole. And so God brought Riley into our, uh, into, uh, into our crosshairs. Is that a fair? No, that's not the right analogy, is it? Yeah. He brought him into our life. 
is a lot better way of wording that. And uh, we're thankful for that and that we can invest in him. And this is something that we've been looking at doing already as church leadership. And so to have these two line up and be able to invest in Riley at his school. And he comes really well recommended to us from Alberta. He's from Calgary. And uh, I hope you'll take time and get to know him over the coming weeks, uh, whether you have youth or you're just a part of the church. Uh, one thing we might need from you as a church is uh, he, since he lives at Karenport, there's going to be days where he's going to say, this is not worth driving home in this weather, or I need to be back first thing in the morning. He might need a place to crash for a night. So if you've got a spot where he could phone up and say, can I stay this night, um, can you just talk to the church office, let us know, and we'll line up some names for him to get in touch with and introduce you so you can make those connections. If you uh, joined us last week for our message, we started off our fall sermon series that's going to explore the book of Jeremiah, uh, one of the, the Old Testament prophets, and we're going to look at some of the key themes in it. And like I mentioned last week, we're just going to be glancing over some of these things. It's such an in-depth book, and this morning's a great example. I, I was saying to Ben as we talked, I said, Ben, I'm trying to cut as fast as I can to get it down to a manageable length for the service today, because there's so much rich content, even in the part we're looking at, that I'd love to uh, theology, theologically geek out over. Uh, so I've had to kind of discern and whittle it down to, hey, what, what is God wanting us to share this morning? And so I, I hope uh, the Spirit is speaking to you through, through the message this morning. There's two sides, though, to the book of Jeremiah. The first is his message to the people of Judah um, that were spoken before the exile. Uh, the, the book's written post-exile, but the messages are pre-exile, um, and so we read the warnings and the prophecies that were given. The second part of the book of Jeremiah is pretty much biographical. It's looking at Jeremiah's life and shares much about the prophet and his experiences uh, over the decades of ministry. And last week we started off looking at the prologue to the book. Well, the first, few, the first three verses actually of the book that make it clear that Jeremiah is appointed by God, that God is sovereign over all things, a theme we're gonna, you're going to be sick of hearing at the end. I hope you're not sick of it because it's such a wonderful theme that God is sovereign, but it comes out again and again in Jeremiah. And as we discuss that, we use the imagery of a story and the idea that our life is a story. And God being sovereign means making God the main character of the story and not us. That God is the main character, not us. And that's going to be something, like I said, we're going to keep coming back to as we go through this series. And I hope it's something that causes you to consider and reflect on your own life. Who's the main character in the different parts of your life? Because I think you might say, well, I'm at church right now. God's the main character. But what about when you go home? What about at work? In the neighborhood? When you connect with friends. Is God still the main character? So this morning we're going to move on and look at Jeremiah the prophet's calling. So we're going to look at the person of Jeremiah in a lot of ways and see what we can glean from that. And we read in Jeremiah 1.5 uh, a wonderful um, verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is one of those verses that I think we love to quote from Jeremiah. There's a few we're going to touch on over this series. 
I've seen this verse on birth announcements, in congratulation cards. I've seen it used at baby dedications. Now, we usually leave out the prophet part and stick with the first little part of the verse. Yeah, doesn't that look a lot better? I mean, that prophet piece is just a nuisance, right? This is what we want to share with people. This feels like, ah, this is what I call a hallmark moment. It sounds nice, so we go with it. And we're having a little technical issue, so just give me one second. When your notes all of a sudden disappear on the technology you're using, it's not a good thing. Yep. No, it's Apple. It's my own fault. So let's see if that works. Okay, we're just going to change up how I'm doing this. Give me one second. I'm sorry, folks. Well, that's not working, so we're just going to go with this. There we go. So, like I was saying, this is one of those verses that we love to quote in Jeremiah. We use it all over the place. And... I think there's good reason for it. It's a verse that's meaningful. It's a verse that's valuable. Uh, but it's also a verse that I think we regularly take way out of context. When Jeremiah heard this verse, based on how we quote the verse at least, you'd think Jeremiah would have been touched and moved, even excited. I mean, hey, God has set me apart before I was born. This is fantastic. So what was Jeremiah's response? His response was, um, well, it says alas. Who uses the word alas anymore? Like, oh, alas. It's like, think of it this way. Like, whoa, 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 hang up. Hold on. Like, what? Alas. <laughs> okay? No, thank you. No way. That's, he's protesting. And he's saying, I'm too young. I'm, I'm not a good enough speaker. Jeremiah is not exactly as thrilled as we make this verse seem. It should be for him that he'd been set apart even before he was born as a prophet. Do you hear echoes of Moses saying, not me, Lord. I'm not a great speaker. Do you know that there's actually a trend with prophets? I mean, Jonah was probably the boldest, like saying, yeah, I'm going that way, not that way. Didn't work out well for him, right? So that's a fish tale for another time. Um, even Gideon. But God will hear nothing of Jeremiah's excuses and responds, do not say, I am too young. 
To make it clear to Jeremiah, God dismisses his excuse and essentially tells him, this is what's going to happen. There is apparently no real choice in the matter for Jeremiah. Now, this is one of the spots where I would love to go on a sidewinding bit about are we elected or do we have free will? It's a great theological discussion that's been going on for hundreds of years that I would have no chance of even summarizing in 20 minutes. So think about that during the week. <laughs> you want to go for coffee and talk about it? Give me a call. I'd love to come and talk about it. Now, we don't fully know Jeremiah's state of mind, but we get he's less than impressed, right? But I also suspect he knew that being a prophet for God was not exactly a fun-filled adventure. It's a role which, as you read Jeremiah, we discover would mean over the coming decades, no one would listen to him. He'd be rejected by others, mistreated as he was beaten, sentenced to death, and left to die in the mud. He endured suffering and insults at a level that many of us cannot even begin to imagine. That's what God is calling him to. I suspect he knew that this was not a fun job. And that might be why he protested a bit. And that's not quite the outcome we intend when we, you know, give this verse to someone to encourage them, right? We're not saying, hey, your kid, we know God created them and has a purpose for them and set them apart to be a prophet and go through horrible experiences. But that's kind of what the passage is promising to Jeremiah based on what he experienced. Context of the verse can matter. The ancient Greeks and Romans loved knowledge in studying the world. They came to the conclusion from their studies that all the planets and stars revolved around Earth. They were all about us. We were the center of the universe for all intents and purposes. Then Copernicus came along and in 1543 published a new model that the planets actually revolved around the sun. And all of a sudden, the universe wasn't centered on us anymore. We were two-bit players in the galactic scheme, if you will. This was not received well initially. Yet the truth of that bore out is what we hold to in our understanding of the planets and sun today. At least most of us do. We had to shift gears. We were no longer at the center of everything. We still sometimes have to make that same shift in our minds to recognize it's not all about us. Maybe we're not wrestling with galactic questions that way, but the things in the world aren't all about us. And yet our world tells you it should be all about you. This is one of the challenges we have being people of faith. So we see Jeremiah in his calling, and he initially protests with, I'm too young. And God counters with, don't say that. It's not just that the statement was wrong. It's not that he was too young. But it's also that Jeremiah's focus was wrong. It's not about Jeremiah, the calling. Yes, he's being called. But what God is doing doesn't center on Jeremiah. It's not all about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not the main character of the story. God is. And God makes that clear to him. 
he counters Jeremiah's I statement, I am too young, with his own I statements. He says to Jeremiah, I send you. I command you. I am with you. And I will rescue you. This may be a passage about Jeremiah being called, but it's even more about God's sovereignty and showing that through Jeremiah and his life. Showing that this is more about God and his work than Jeremiah's hesitations and insecurities. This is about God being the central player in Jeremiah's story and seeing if Jeremiah will submit and be obedient to it. But the I statements aren't just about God's power and control. We need to be clear, it's also about God's love for Jeremiah. I am with you. Whatever you go through, Jeremiah, I am with you. When you're struggling, when you're being being down, when you're left for dead in the mud, I'm with you. And I will rescue you. You are not alone. And I am sovereign over all. And I will rescue you. God is reminding Jeremiah, I am at the center of everything that happens. And I care. Isn't that so valuable to hear in a world that's as broken as we've seen in the last week? As we look at things over the past decades? God is sovereign. Bad things happen. But God does care. And when God's the main character in our story... We need to recognize that the picture is way bigger than what any of us can see. It's a global, universal picture. It spans all of time, past, present, future. The divine is far greater than us. That's why God should be the main character of our story. God's saying to Jeremiah, trust me. We look at the calling of Jeremiah, and what we see is God not asking, but God also promising. When God calls us, we are not left alone. It's not all about us. It's all about God and what he's doing. And even though the row ahead can be difficult and hard, it is done with God, alongside God. God is with us. Now, Jeremiah has a very unique call to being a prophet in a very unique time of history when Judah's about to be under siege and they're going to be taken into exile. And I got to say, it's probably a calling that's hard for us to relate to. But God has called us in our own way. He's called us to be his people. To love God with all that we are, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to share the good news of Jesus with others, to care for the hurting and broken in the world, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We have that call. And maybe you're like Jeremiah and a lot of us, and you're saying, but that call can't be for me because. What is your because? Because you're too young? 
because you're too old. Because you're not smart enough? Or because you're too smart? Because you're too busy? You're too introverted? Or are you too extroverted? Is your excuse, is your because, because, well, I still sin? Welcome to the club, people! Is your because, well, because I have too many questions still, I don't have it all figured out. When you create those excuses, you are shifting the focus of your story from centering on God to centering on you. God sees us being the main character of the story, and you're making it about you and your excuses. God rejected Jeremiah's excuses. So why do you think he should accept yours? Are yours that much better? The focus on our, st- on our I statements and not what God is calling to is to change the focus of the story. And it's denying that God has the, the capacity to work miracles in us and through us as a sovereign Lord God Almighty. Look at Jesus. Look at the miracles he did. A woman at the well who was disgraced in her world meets Jesus, goes to her village and preaches Jesus to everybody. No excuses. A man filled with demons is delivered. And he goes off and tells everybody about Jesus. People show up there, they already know who he is. They knew who Jesus was. No excuses. So do not deny that God has the capacity to work miracles in you and through you. For God is the Lord God Almighty and is sovereign over all. Jeremiah was commanded by God and promised, I send you, I command you, I am with you, I will rescue you. That calling and those commands that were given to Jeremiah, it's not the only place in Scripture where promises are made to people who are called, where those promises are made to people who are called. There's another person who makes those promises, and there was actually somebody else who God called to point us to that person. This morning we heard from John chapter 1 about John the Baptist. He was called to point people to Jesus. Jesus, who was the Son of God and came to save us from the brokenness of the world. The call of Jeremiah is just a foretaste of what Jesus calls us to. God sent Jeremiah, but Jesus sends us. Jesus is saying to each of us, I send you to go into the world and share the good news. God commanded Jeremiah, but Jesus commands us. Jesus is saying to each of us, I command you. 
to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as ourselves. And just like God promised Jeremiah, Jesus is with us. Jesus is saying to each of us, I am with you to the end of the ages, to the end of all time. I am with you always until the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Those promises for Jeremiah, while ours might be a little different in how they get lived out, are there for us from Jesus. God promised to rescue Jeremiah, and in Jesus we find the one who rescues us from the brokenness of the world. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The calling Jeremiah received to be a messenger to Judah is just a foretaste of the calling God has placed on each of us through Jesus Christ. A calling that's made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jeremiah, though, was called to more than speaking a message. He was called to make his life a living witness. Listen to some of these verses from his calling in Jeremiah chapter 1. Now, I want you to notice the balance between how many of them are about his calling to speak and his calling to action or to live it out. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and plant. And actually right before that it says, I've put my words in your mouth. So that's the speaking. But then I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Action. Living it out. And later on in verses 17 to 19, stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Speaking. Do not be terrified them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. Man, that's not a fair fight, is it? Jeremiah and God against Judah, its official priests and the people of the land, they don't have a chance against God, do they? And Jeremiah's on that side. That's the side that Jeremiah's called to live out. To be like a fortified city that will not fail. The very thing that will happen to Jerusalem. Jeremiah is to say, this is what it's like when that doesn't happen. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you. He's called to speak and to action. And Jeremiah was all in as a prophet. Jeremiah was being called to both speak the message and live the life and message God had for him. And that's probably what it means to make God the center of your story, the main character of your story, that we are all in. Jeremiah had the privilege of being a tool that God uses to achieve his plans and purposes. Jeremiah is all in with his life to the calling he's received. He's focused on God, and he's realized this is not about him, but about God. When we read from John 1 this morning, and we learned about John the Baptist, there's a few verses I want to just reflect on quickly. 
starting in verse 6 of chapter 1 in John. There's a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Do you see that? Do you see that focus on making it clear? John is not the light. He's the witness to the light. The focus is the light. John's just pointing people to it. He is just a witness. But what a powerful ministry John had being that witness as we read about him in the Gospels. Jesus was the focus. John wasn't. Jeremiah, John, each of us, that's our role. Not to be the focus, but to be the witness to the triune God and God's work that we find fully realized in the life and death of Jesus Christ. We are called like Jeremiah, commanded to love God and others, called to share God's love for others and promise that Jesus is with and will rescue us. That's a message that's all about God and not us. We're just called to be a witness to those promises, to who God is. And we need to make sure that it's not just our words, but our whole life that points to God. The world is watching. There's a book, um, some of you may have heard it, by Marshall McLuhan called The Medium is the Massage. Did I get that right? Anybody want to correct me on that? You You'd think it was the medium as a message. If you actually look at the physical book, the title of the book is The Medium is the Massage. I've got it in my office. I can show you. It was an intentional choice that the mediums we use massage us into seeing things a different way. It's not just our words, but how we communicate and what we communicate with that shapes and influences us. His book has been uh, a foundational book in the study of communications. Despite the funny title. But it's true. And our world knows that. We are the medium. The message is Jesus. We're to point people to Jesus with our lives and with our words. And when those two things integrate... The witness is so powerful because the Spirit is working in us not just through the words, but through our life. And the Spirit can do amazing things with that. So we need to make sure our lives point to God. This morning is our kickoff Sunday. And we can make it all about programs and activities in the church. And we have some wonderful programs and activities to help point people to Jesus, to help them grow as disciples that make Jesus the main character of their story. But it's also a time for us to recommit ourselves as a church to making God the main character of our story and all that we do. 
that we don't get sidetracked with busyness and programs and activity. And those things are not bad. They are tools that God has enabled us to have to use for kingdom ministry. But when they become all about that, God sees us being the main character. So kickoff Sunday, I hope, for us is a jumping into a new ministry year with the commitment to keep God as our focus in all things. To live lives that are transformed by the work of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And our hope and our faith that one day Jesus will return and make things all right. So the question for us as we go forward today, is your life showing God as the main character of your story? Are you heeding the call that was given to Jeremiah and is ultimately given to us to go into the world and be a witness to God, to go and love God and the world, and to go in the world knowing God goes with us and ultimately will rescue us from the broken world we live in as we are part of God's kingdom and we look forward to eternal life and glory. Please bow with me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. That was evidenced by how you lived your life on earth. Your words and your actions never contradicted each other, but fully pointed to your Father in heaven. And you modeled for us what it means to be a child of God. Help us to learn from that and to embrace the grace and hope and peace and love we have in you through your work in this world, through your death and resurrection, and through your reigning glory in the kingdom of God. Lord, may your spirit be at work in us this year. That when we are getting off track and, and starting to focus on ourselves and all the activities we're doing and those things, may you draw us back to you, God, and set our eyes on you, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So our lives bear witness to you and not us. So our, our words and our lives proclaim your glory and don't try to glorify ourselves. Lord, may there be less of us and more of you in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.